0: Good evening and welcome to another episode of the Get Italian Football News podcast. I'm your host Sam Brooks and I'm joined by Rich Hall and R- Raphael Jacobin. Thanks for joining me guys. Nice to be here, thank you Sam. Okay, well one place to start uh, today and that is looking at Inter. And it's been a roller coaster week for them. Uh, obviously dumped out of Europe in midweek last week, um, finishing bottom of their group but then won three-one on Sunday against Cagliari to make it four wins in the league. Rich, I'm going to come to you first. Well, what do you make of their current situation at the moment?
1: I think it's really difficult to assess in, three, in one respect because, you know, it's a double-edged sword. I mean, we've said before, I think, on here that, you know, Antonio Conte really wanted to be back this season. He had his vision, his view... Uh, the players brought him were very much his. Uh, the, you know, the Suning group backs him. And they found themselves in a, a bizarre position because with Inter, they always seemed like they're one minute away from catastrophe, one minute away from being very, very solid. Um, my my point of view on this was very, I thought that the Shakhtar game was, was a huge, um, that did the, the European stakes of it, because I felt like if they'd have, even if they'd have gone out with the statement win, it would have showed that the team were developing and moved on. And it was a really poor performance. And I think, you know, you're getting into a situation here where after 42 minutes, Sotil scored. They're 1 0 down to Calgary. The, the performance is terrible. Everything's about the argument with Conte and Capello's coming back out. Where's your plan B? What's the situation? Talk to me more about the performance. And Inter didn't do that. Now, to be fair, you know, Conte going into that game looks at the table and goes, well, look, we're still second in the league. OK, we're out of Europe completely. That can help us in some respects to move forward and potentially with Scudetto. So uh, they then go on after a change. And, you know, obviously uh, Ericsson was was involved in the first half. I'm sure Conte quite enjoyed the fact that he didn't uh, play particularly well. Um, And he makes the changes, switches to the four as well at the back, which he never has, well, hardly ever does. And Barella, D'Ambrosio and Lukaku sort of saved the day. So you finish Where you left off with Inter, we don't really know where they're at. Um, It was a a performance they should have won uh, against, well, a game they should have won against Calgary. They did. They're still in the Scudetto hunt. But do we really know much more about Inter? I don't think we do.
0: Yeah, it is a tough one to assess. I agree. And my next question is, uh, I'm going to come to you, Raphael. For From an Inter perspective, are you more worried about the level of performance? Because we we haven't seen that many shocking performances this season. It's just been a bit subpar. Or is it more a concern, the sort of general mood at the club with the whole Ericsson situation and whether he'll go next month and Conte delivering the same excuses of, uh, you know, not being able to finish their chances match after match?
2: Yeah, I think in terms of the performance you know, they've the, the amount of quality that they've got in the squad means that they're always gonna pull through most of the time in some respect or another, especially in these in these sorts of games against the likes of Cagliari, against the likes of Torino. So I wouldn't I wouldn't really put put the blame on, you know, any sort of, any players who are who are performing badly in particular. I think it is just the general mood. Um I mean, you know, Conte is generally rubbing people the wrong way. Um, you know that is his his post match his post match um, interview after the uh, after the Shakhtar game was was a bit of a breakdown on his part. But at the same time, he has he has been he he has been rubbing people the wrong way just since he's since he started into really the fact that he's he's coming out with these sort of post match these big post match um, sort of declarations at the end at the end of games. And generally, just getting the attention on himself is um, is in one way is a good thing because he is taking he is taking pressure away from his players and onto himself. You know, I guess you, I guess you could argue it's the, sort of the Mourinho, the Mourinho tactic. But at the same time, I think he is the fact that he has got this sort of monopoly of attention on himself. adding to is can be a bit of an issue, and I think mean, the worst sort of the worst sort of manifestation of that is the Ericsson situation, which, you know, seems to be sort of dominating pre-match interviews, sort of the general media, the sort of media vibe around the, around the, um, around their games. And I mean, obviously that's not the only thing, but I think until they managed, until Inter managed to sort of, Pull back on the the off pitch drama. They they won't they won't have they won't be able to to string together a, a season that's worth or well, that's really that really shows off the uh, their their true quality.
0: Yeah, it seems um, obviously we saw Ericsson did get handed a rare start on Sunday, but he was hooked before the hour mark and. Then, sort of coincidentally, Inter went on and dominated the rest of the game. Um, Rich, I want want to come back to you for your last take on Inter. Um, do you now think that with them being out of Europe, they do have a better chance of winning the league now that they can fully focus on that and they are still in second place as things stand?
1: Potentially, yeah. I mean, when you look at when the next European game's played, uh, I'm not quite sure what the date is, but there's a good bit of time between now now. And- so the game against Napoli this week, I think, is massive. It needs to be a bit of a statement, um, a statement victory there, because I think it's Spezia and Hellas after that. So they could finish the year strong. When you look at Conte, I mean, you know what you guys were saying then, it makes sense as well because you know the, the situation with Ericsson has overshadowed things, um, and, and Conte in Europe has overshadowed things again because it's the same thing we hear. You know, his record in Europe, it made him some good just on the basis that. Whilst he has to be more tactically adaptable in Europe and he's got bigger um, problems to solve, in a sense, uh, because of that, um, the quality that is in Europe, I think that when you look at a lot of the teams, even when we saw against Calgary at weekend, even in his normal uh, 3 5 2, <clears throat> even with a slight tweak, the quality, as Raf said before, is in the squad, is enough to, to, to knock a lot of these teams out. Um, and so Conte is not really going to have to adapt too much in that sense. He's going to be able to be Conte. And, you know, if he gets the Ericsson thing sorted one way or the other in January, uh, that noise will hopefully die down. So we'll give them a chance. But again, you know, there are still teams where he's going to have to be adaptable and it's going to be in the big games. And I think Napoli will. This is the thing. If I look at it this way, I mean, you'd love to know you got your guys' opinion on this. They beat Napoli uh, this week. And... It's it's all looking like everyone's saying Inter could win the Scudetto. They lose, and it's a crisis again. At Inter.
0: Yeah, I think um, as you said, this this game on Wednesday is going to be a crucial one because right now I think there's probably what about three or four teams that could win the league this season, and Napoli and Inter are two of them. So how the teams match up will be really interesting to see as to who's heading in the right direction as we head into Christmas. Um, one team that do seem to be heading into the right direction are Milan, who uh, maintain their unbeaten run just on the weekend. Uh, quite similar to Inter um, a few weeks back against Parma. Uh, they were 2-0 down, but they did come back and get a 2 all draw. Raphael, uh, so we saw the great team spirit that they seem to have at the moment. But is it a concern they're starting to pick up injuries? We saw Gavier and Benessey get injured. Um, and they're also seemingly lacking a bit of a uh, threat up top without Ibrahimović. So is that a slight worry for you, heading into what's going to be a really busy sort of 10 days or so?
2: Yeah, I think it's a massive blow that they've got a lot of players who won't be back before the turn of the year. I think, especially well, especially up front, because Rebic clearly isn't able to sort of replicate the presence that Ibrahimović has. Um, I think Rebic... He, he he did have a good spell of form at the very start of the year in um back back in January February, but I think his best position has been um, on the wing in this um in in this in his setup. But then, I think in in defence defence will be worried, about. At the same time, I was quite impressed by uh, by Kalulu over the weekend. Um, I know he when he came on he did get beaten by Jovino on the uh, on the first Parma goal I think. I think it was Edin's goal, but I think on the whole, he, he didn't really put that much that that meant that much of a foot wrong. Um, but yeah, I think the fact that they they are going to need to rotate a lot is, is an issue because I mean Gabby is out, um, Kier is out until the the start of this the start of the the new year as well. So yeah, I think in terms of the performance. Um, it wasn't. I think. I don't think it was that worrying because they did have quite a lot of chances in uh, in that game. They hit the post a few times. I mean, the crossbar as well. Um, I think. Mean, yeah, Chalhanoglu Noglu came very close a couple of times. I mean, they had a goal disallowed as well. So, I think in in terms of the actual, um, well, the, what we're seeing on the pitch, there's there isn't really that much of a reason to worry yet. But I think, yeah, obviously, with the game coming thick and fast before Christmas and the fact that there are so many injuries, we might start to see a few cracks in that that unbeaten run.
0: Yeah, I I completely agree with you on Rebic, that he is far more suited to sort of coming in off the left flank rather than being the actual focal point of the attack. Um, But yeah, Milan were unfortunate on the weekend hitting the woodwork. I think it was four times in the end. Cialinoglu, three times himself. Um, but we saw Teo Hernandez from left back get a couple of goals. Rich, what's your sort of view on Milan? Uh, obviously, they've started the season in sensational form, sort of had a couple of last gasp draws against Verona and Palmer now. Do, do you see them maintaining it? Or are you starting to see the first sort of cracks appear in their title challenge?
1: I think January's is going to be really interesting because I think, you know, you guys were right when you say that, they do look a little bit light um, at the moment, but they've got a good squad. They, they always remind me a little bit this season under Pioli uh, that not in the same way they play, but in the sense that with Atalanta in the past, you could take out any one of those players in the team. You can put back in anyone off the bench and they still move as a cohesive unit. Milan are very similar to that, but the one big gap is who can... You know, you can... OK, you could take uh, Benekir off and you can put Tonali on. OK, that's that's not too bad. You can put Rafael Leao on for Rebic or you can put, you know, there's a lot of players who that's not an issue. You can't really replace Ibra. And I think when you've got players like and Hernandez in such good form, I think Calabria has been in pretty decent form, uh, you know, and Chana Logli, of course, um, all been able to give Ibra that supply. He's before, you know, obviously not been able to play. has been phenomenal. They are kind of limping into that January window um, for me. One thing I would say about Milan, the one thing that's impressed me the most is is Pioli, because we all we always talk about players uh, coming on. Like we could talk about Tio Hernandez now and say, "Wow, look at how much he's even come on from a good season last season," but we very rarely say it about a coach, and especially one of his sort of age, where everyone's a safe, assumed he's a safe pair of hands. But that's about it. He's limited. I, for one, am guilty. I thought that Ralph Raniak at the start of the season would have been a, well, at the end of last season would have been a better bet with the move out of the backroom staff, how wrong was I? Because Pioli's up to his game and he's adapted. So for Milan, uh, Milan, I think that in, in one way, uh, if they can get someone else, because I do agree with you guys on Rebic, I do think that he's not an out-and-out centre-forward, even behind Ibra or out on the left, maybe. Yes, I can understand that completely. I do think they need to address that position. And if they do, then I don't see why they can't continue some of this form.
0: Yeah, I think, I think you made some good points that uh, they do have um, cover in quite a few areas but not in that striker position. Um, Calabria has been very good. I uh, couldn't agree more there. I think right back was seen as a concern at the start of the season, but he's been excellent. Um, one team who were exceptional this weekend, and this was a bit of a surprise result, um, Roma beating Bologna 5-1, all six goals coming in the first half. Um, Raphael what do you make of this because you know we've not been sure what to make of Roma at times sort of in pre-season in the early weeks but um, they they have been really good and the thing I noticed on the weekend was that there were five or six players who were really really good and they're no longer so reliant on Dzeko as they have been in the last couple of years how, how far do you see this Roma side going under Fonseca
2: I mean, I would sort of take this game of a a pinch of salt anyway, because Bologna conceding shiploads is, is is nothing new. Um, especially when you look at the you know the team that they did they did come out with. It was a very young team. I think mean, the goalkeeper Ravalio, was making his debut, and the fact that yeah the goals did come in a very very short space of time showed that that you know I think it was more. On Bologna, that they they just had a general collapse at the start of the game, and did well actually to come back and sort of steady the ship in the uh, in the second half. Um, but yeah, obviously I think obviously the the way that Roma are playing right now is is impressive because they have. Well, the entire the entire front line, the entire um, sort of attacking unit is is putting a shift in, um, especially especially impressed with Mikitarian, who's sort of been central to a lot of a lot of what's good with Roma this season. And but yeah, not, not just not just in an attacking sense as well. We saw um Karstock for example, his his contribution to the um, to the Mikitarian goal was impressive. Um and yeah, the fact the fact that they were able to take Jacko off after I mean, he was the, after the hour mark to uh, yeah to for, to to rest him was was indicative of that. I think the fact that they have managed to take the take a bit of the load off from um, of Jacko is will definitely serve them in good stead in terms of potentially challenging for a Champions League spot. Because I think I mean I, I was quite skeptical at the start of the season because when you look at Obviously, you you look at the the main players; they are all on the wrong side of thirty. And you had you had obviously Zaniola getting um, getting injured. But I, I mean, I don't know if it's maybe it's 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 only a short term solution, but at least for this season, I think it's really paying off as um as a sort of as a sort of strategy. You know the fact that they are cent, basically centering themselves on these very experienced players, but players that still that still have a lot to give. You know, Pedro, Mkhitaryan, Jacko. So I, I think it could pay. I, I I think it could pay off, and they could even get into the Champions League, into a Champions League spot.
0: Yeah, I was really impressed with them. And I thought the wing backs with Karsdorp and Spinazzola were particularly. Impressive in that first half. Uh, one team who were less impressive but still got three points were defending champions Juventus. Uh, they needed two goals and they needed two goals in the last um, fifteen minutes uh, against Genoa to win that game three-one. Both penalties from Ronaldo. Um, what do you make of them, Rich? Um, you know, both them and Inter have received quite a lot of criticism so far for not you know, firing on all cylinders. How, how do you see Juventus shaping up at the moment? Difficult from that
1: game again, because like what I've said about Roma against Bologna, you know, Bologna were pretty abject, quite terrible. And Genoa this season, do quite close to my heart, really frustrate me. So I don't think you can really take too much out of the, the opposition because uh, we could talk about Genoa all day. They're in free for, Juve, though, Juve is an interesting one, because are an interesting one, because with Perlo I feel that you, whilst we're at the beginning of the season, we kind of thought, OK, this inexperienced coach, which he is, may have some issues in adapting, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. He's not got much time to get this uh, team working on how he wants. It's still not his team, of course, as well. Um, but he is showing that this now, especially with the midfield, which for me, under Sadio, was such a huge problem. The likes of McKennie coming in, Bent, of course, doing fantastically well. I'm absolutely obsessed with Cuadrado at the moment, which is something I never thought I'd say. You know, they're looking really good. debar 's is an interesting one; he can go from hero to villain in seconds. Uh, consistency is going to be key. Ronaldo will always be Ronaldo until I think. You know, it, it, they is always going to cause issues, especially against a team like Genoa. So, a little like the comments on Inter is that, for me, they are gradually improving. Um, I do see that there's more fluidity within the game, even though this wasn't one of their best performances. I think when you look at that, um, you know, Genoa especially, I was expecting a lot more from Ravella. You know, he's been one of the players I'm sort of pinning a bit of hope on there. Um, Samaka, again, another one who could could do more. Uh, for me, and so overall, I think that with Juve, they're, they've they got a little bit now um, since the beginning of the season where a bit of the Allegri's about him in the sense with uh, Pirlo, that they don't always have to play well. I don't remember talking about Allegri teams playing well every week. It was almost like this freight train. Uh, everyone used to use the term freight train with them because they would just gather pace and gather pace, and it took a while. This is what they're doing, but they're scoring goals. Um... And they've got a good squad. I think when you look at Maratta, I think he's been outstanding from, you know, absolutely brilliant since he's arrived, even though he's not been uh, up this game, wasn't probably one to really talk about him much. So overall, I think, watch out for you guys. I don't think they're anywhere near the finished article, but I can see them improving. And they're doing it quietly, unlike Inter, for instance. Um, so it looks like there's quite a bit of harmony at that club. And, you know, the back now playing pretty much every game. So, yeah, I certainly wouldn't be writing off Juve.
0: Yeah, I think Cuadrado has been uh, arguably their best player of the season so far this season, been really strong and yeah. consistent for them. But as you mentioned, DiBala has received plenty of criticism, partly for his performances, partly for his contract negotiations, seem to be stalling. Um, but he did get his first goal of the season on the weekend, quite a typical DiBala goal, cutting in, hitting it home at the near post. Do you now see perhaps him starting to regain the form that we saw last season, Raphael? That saw him win Serie A MVP.
2: I don't think we can we can judge off of one goal that he um, you know that he can regain that form. I think on the whole, you know, Juventus, including him, weren't, weren't that impressive. So yeah, I mean, it's it's an interesting one because you know, I don't know if you guys saw um, Agnelli's comments. Uh, I think it was a few, a few days ago. He, he said that he has got a contract offer on the table. And that he hasn't, yeah. you know, he hasn't said anything about it. Which I think I think is indicative of you know a, pro- a, pro- a deeper problem behind the scenes with um with the baller, you know, which obviously will have will have affected his form. I think you know Pirlo has been wheeling out the you know the excuse that. You know, he's he's had COVID and he's he's struggling to recover quite um basically every every time, which you know, I think you know, obviously I think there's something there's something deeper behind that. I think the fact the fact is that you know Dybala won won the um you know won the MVP off the back of carrying essentially carrying Juventus to the title with his you know some very some very important goals, some very important performances. But he's I, I, in this, in this Juventus side, or at least the one that I think Pirlo is trying to build, you know, off the off the evidence of the, of, of these performances, he doesn't really have a place in the starting eleven. He's more of a utility player. Not 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 so maybe not as maybe I wouldn't go as far as saying he's a luxury player, but he's not he's not central. He's not as central as he was a few months ago. Um, I think you know the. The impressive thing with Juventus is more off the pitch than on the pitch the fact that they are going about their business quietly. the fact that you know their three summer signings um McKney Maratta and um and um Chiesa. Chiesa. Chiesa, that's the one you know they've all hit the ground running basically they've they've all been performing well that's which I think is indicative of just. A hierarchy at Juventus that knows what it's doing, unlike at a lot of clubs. And the fact that they are they are clearly handling handling the Dybala situation as best as they can. They are they're playing him. Pirlo is playing him in as much as as much as his system allows him to. So yeah, I, I don't I don't th- I don't think we'll see we'll see a complete return to form from from Dybala in in the sense that. In the one compared to last season's performances, but I think I mean it's up it's up to him really. Will, will he accept Will he accept being not a bit part player, but you know not as important as as last year, or will he want to move on and you know become a key player at another side? <clears throat> yeah, I think it's going to be
0: really interesting to see how things progresses as, as the season goes on, because there there is a sense that. Juve are vulnerable, but, um, of course, they're still in the title hunt, as they always are, so, and you can never rule them out. Um, one team who we've already mentioned a little bit um, today are Napoli. Uh, they won on the weekend, coming from behind against Sampdoria to win 2-1. These are the types of games that Napoli have you know, struggled in in the past, not been clinical with their chances, been hit on the break and dropped points, but, the, but they managed to win it this time with two goals from substitutes. Rich, were you impressed by how they came back? And does it sort of highlight how they have arguably the strongest squads in the league or or certainly in that bracket um, that they can call on these players to make such a difference late on in games?
1: Yeah, I do actually. I think that, you know, okay, Victor Ossiman, for instance, he's probably looks like he could be one hell of a signing when he's fit and playing. and you know. But this, this game was perfect, you know, in the sense of you look at he's not in and Mertens comes in, they've got options. They've got Patania, you know, who can also come in uh, all the way through the midfield, you know. And again, you know, I think that Napoli at the moment are finding themselves a little bit under Gattuso still. I think Gattuso is an excellent coach. Um, you know, I think a lot of people go way back when you know, when you look at back even to when he was at Milan, thought it was going to be all blood and thunder. And, you know, there's was, there was signs even at Milan that he could set up a team to play excellent football. I do think that um, in some ways he not, he's not struggling, he's learning. And I think there's a big difference because, you know, the best coaches can manage to keep not only the players uh, obviously playing happy and feeling good about themselves, but also the players who aren't. And you've got to think that it wasn't so long ago that a big group of this team uh, were the ones who were rebelling and, you know, mutinying against Di Rettiro at uh, uh, Ancelotti's era, you know, and, um, and De Laurentiis. And that, that whole combustion that happened then, it doesn't just go away. You're throwing you throw in Lozano into that equation and you've not got an easy mix. But yet, that's why I think what is doing is even more impressive. Because he's got a group of players here who obviously don't like it when things aren't going right, don't like it when they're not playing. And yet, against Sampdoria, they turn in and you look and you think, Well, Merton's continually I just I am always impressed with him. You know, the at Fullback did particularly well in this game. Zelinski's sort of not having the for me he's in and out of form, but he's he's still it's impressive. And so, yeah, Napoli, I, I do believe that that squad is exceptionally strong. They should be at least thinking they should be in the top three, definitely the top four. Um, and Gattuso is in, is improving. I think that sometimes he, the only criticism I would have at some point is um, his teams are just, a, they're getting better, but they've been a little too inconsistent. One game they can turn up and you look at them and you go, Wow. The, you know, the blow teams out of the water. And, and, and I was trying to work out a while ago, was it just because of Aussie man and everything else? But I don't think it is. I think it's the all-round forms. But then they have looked at some, some games where they've just not turned up. I feel that's getting better. And so I feel the more the season goes on, the better Napoli
0: will get yeah of course we've already seen them blow away Atalanta and Roma this season so uh, they certainly have that in their locker but it's interesting that you talked about these sort of mutinies because uh, we're going to talk about that a bit more in a second with um, Atalanta um, they've had an excellent week um, on the pitch beating Ajax to get through to the last 16 of the Champions League again and then picked up a 3-0 win against Burantina. Um, Rafael. In terms of on the pitch, do you see this week as possibly being a bit of a turning point for them after what's been a difficult couple of months?
2: Yeah, I think. Well, I'd I'd say it's a turning point in the sense that, you know, they have got they are the results are getting going back in their favour. I don't know if the performances are matching that necessarily because if we're looking specifically at the Fiorentina game, I think Fiorentina were going toe to toe with them for the first half. Or at least the majority of the first half um then obviously in, in you know in classic fiorentina fashion they just crumbled after the first goal but yeah i think i think in you know in that in that game i think mean, they just took advantage of just the general the the general atmosphere around around the, around fiorentina and the fact that they, they there's no personality about that team whatsoever and that at the slightest slightest bit of adversity they they'll just crumble but i think yeah i the ajax game was interesting i thought because I, I, more than anything i was impressed by the fact that um you know with with we'll, we'll, we'll come on to afterwards but the uh, the fallout between um, gomez and Gasparini, the fact that they were able to put aside their differences at least for uh, for these for these two games and um, you know, and, and for the good of the team, actually, uh, you know, Gasparini played played Gomez in. The, I think, yeah, he started in for I, in the Ajax game, and then he came on in um, in the Fiorentina game. Which, yeah, sh- which for me shows a shows a level of professionalism w- f- from both of them, which I think in a lot of in a lot of, in a lot of these these types of situations you wouldn't you wouldn't necessarily see. So I, I so I would give that to you know their credits for both of them but yeah i think i, I wouldn't the, the thing thing about talking um about talking about turning points of atalanta is that they always have these kind of blips anyway they always have these performances that they just need to get out of their system and they and then they go back to they go back to a uh, winning run so it's it's too. I don't. I think it's too early to say whether you know from this point onwards they'll go on and sort of rediscover their second half, the the form they usually have in the second half of the season. But yeah, obviously it is. It is a great base to to build on anyway. And I think this. But obviously, yeah, the sooner they get they they sort out the uh, the Gomez situation, I think the, the better for them.
0: Yeah, I, I I was particularly impressed last week with the Ajax game. The way they sort of manage the game Uh, it wasn't the sort of normal sort of blood and thunder performance that we see from Atalanta but they did seem to be in control for much of the match Um, and so as you said you've mentioned the Papu Gomez situation Um, the understanding seems to be that him and Gasparini had a big falling out in the Champions League game against uh, Midland a couple of weeks ago Um, and that sort of Kept on going since then. Uh, Gomez, of course, came out on Instagram yesterday saying he will explain all to the Atalanta fans when he leaves, suggesting that he could well be off next month. Rich, do you expect, do you think it is a, an, irrepar- an irreparable uh, relationship now between Gasparini and Gomez, or do you still sort of hold, hold out hope that they can patch things up and maybe he stays?
1: I think Gomez has always been a bit of that character, quite a fiery character in some respects. But, you know, obviously, Gaspar, this, I think, I actually do think it may be irreparable just for the fact of, I think that this, I mentioned it before with Atalanta, gave them some credit that there was nearly every single one of those players on the pitch. You can take off Zapata, you can put on Muriel, et cetera, et cetera. The two I would have said that you couldn't replace last season were Ilicic and Gomez. Probably yeah, because they have just were so influential. Now, because of a very unfortunate uh, personal situation with vilicic he's not been the same this season. And now the situation with Gomez, I'm not sure that going forward this doesn't work out. Not this season, perhaps, but in the future, better for Atalanta because Gomez isn't getting any younger. That doesn't mean he can't play for a, a long period of time. But Atalanta's uh, will be there under 21s or 20. Now the basically the Primavera now coming of age to to come through and. You've got to remember, with Atalanta, they built this team, or they normally build themselves teams in the past, which we'll remember people like, you know, Zaghi, Lantini, Montalivo, all those coming through the system. They had a really, really unlucky harvest, if you would, of youngsters for quite a few years. They've got a new batch coming through. Um, and it may just mix this team up a bit. And for me, the thing that makes Atalanta so good is that they're interchangeable, is that they're a bit, fun enough, Ajax-like. That you can, you know, they can really, um, they've got their system. Everyone knows the job they're doing. So, you know, if it is irreparable, Atalanta, okay, looks bad on this, uh, the that fact they may get 15 million or something. I think it was La Republica said today from about as much as they probably could get. Would he go? Yes. Would it affect their season? Yes. As Raf said before, that they go through these periods, which is very, very true. And also, I think this season is a little bit of a transition, one, because you can... Get to a stage where you know, look what they're doing. You know, Champions League, they're fantastically overperforming. And sometimes, when you've got the budget, you've got the resources that they have, you may you're not Juventus, you're not you know, you can take a season out almost to regenerate and rejig. And they would have had to do that sometimes without Ilicic and Gomez. So yeah, I, I think that Gomez could go, um, but if he does, I don't think it's the end of the world. I think he could affect them the season, but. It gives them time to learn how to. Well, they won't be over dependent on him, um, and they can carry on in the in the special way that we. Well, we all enjoy watching them, don't we? So let's hope there's more of that.
0: Yeah, I mean, from a, from a selfish point of view, I'd, I'd love Papu to stay. I think he's he's been wonderful for them since he joined. What six or so years ago? But yeah, it seems to be uh, at the moment. T- uh, Tilting towards him going from what I understand there may be a meeting uh, going on in the next few days to see if it can be patched up or not so of course we'll be keeping a close eye on that <coughs> uh, one other side who are in the Champions League alongside Atalanta are Lazio but they were beaten this weekend uh, 2-1 by Verona um, Verona are continuing to punch above their weight after an excellent season last year Raphael I want to come to you and ask how how are they managing to do this given the players that they lost over the summer, and um and can they maintain it for the full campaign? Do you think?
2: I mean, the one and only reason is Ivan Juric. The fact that he's managed to keep keep um you know very specific system in place despite losing all of these players is very impressive. Because I think yeah, I think the mark of a good manager is the fact that. Whatever players are on the pitch, they still play in the same way and in the same um, same style that you have implemented. So I, feel, I think most of the credit should go to Juric. I think you know what what is impressive about him is that he is he's very he's very flexible in the way that he identifies which uh, you know which aspects of the opposition that he needs to block out, which um, you know which which formation he should go for, um, you know, and he, he, is, he is quite, he is quite creative with these, you know, with with the sort of solutions that he finds. I mean, Tamez, playing Tamez up front is, uh, was, was an interesting one. I mean, I remember watching him, I remember watching Tamez, um, a niece, um, he was, you know, he was quite a deep-lying, deep-lying midfielder. I would have never imagined he'd be starting up front for a Serie A team. So, but it worked out. It worked out in the end, and he scored the winner. So the fact that he is continually finding these solutions with the players that he's got at his disposal is very impressive. And I think it shows that even if during the season they do, you know, suffer injuries or you know the, the fixture list gets too congested, that he will have solutions up his sleeve. And you know, yeah, I, I definitely think that, that 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 means Verona will be able to keep up, keep hold of this this going to this good run of form for the rest of the season will it will it mean anything more than you know a, a you know a, a sort of a charge at Europa League spot I don't think so but I would I would say I would say that by the end of this season they could sneak into a, a qualifying spot though
0: yeah <clears throat> obviously last year they they missed out quite narrowly on um on Europa League, uh, finishing just inside the top half, but it does seem that they may be able to go one better this year. Um, moving on to Lazio, obviously, they've done well in the Champions League, qualified for the last 16, um, and of course, been handed a very favourable draw against Bayern Munich. Um, but, uh, but, uh, in the league, it's been very inconsistent. One minute really good and one minute you know, not so good. They've had defeats against Udinese and Barona in their last two home games. What What do you make of them, Rich? And Do you think they're just going to have to settle for Europa League this year or can they get back into the top four again, do you think? It's, it's, I struggle with Lazio because when
1: they're in form and they're playing the way they do, I mean... Uh, last season, especially when you had Luis Alberto just finding Immobile all the time, it, you could just sit and watch it for, forever, especially with, when Mlenkovic-Savic was was playing well. And that's the obvious players to go to, I know. But you look in this game, and I, I always thought last season that there were only one or two injuries away from issues. I just think this is a matter of squad depth. And you look at the game against Verona and, OK, Gino Immobile doesn't have the best game, but you can't wait for him every single time. You look at the left hand side, and I thought that was a massive, massive issue. You know, you've got Maricic and Radu just being overrun. And you look at that back line, I mean, Achebe is a, a, a superb defender, but you look, Radu and Parolo weren't doing too well. And I mean, you know, from an inter perspective, you know, when I look at it, when I look at Farhioni and Di Marco running right on the, from fullback it's a worrying thing because, you know, you know the quality of those players. So I do think there's a bit of an issue there in squad depth. Um, but I do have to say that I think Pepe Rainer at the moment, um, it just, I mean, I know he had a, he's had a, not the best couple of games, but for me, I think that probably, uh, it, I know that it's obviously not ideal There's a substitute keeper to come in, but, and have to get a run against But I just don't think that he's used to that at the moment. Not saying he's a bad goalkeeper in the slightest. His distribution is normally excellent. Uh, But I just feel that he's not playing with confidence at the moment. But I wouldn't be worried with Lazio, I think. Again, like I said, you know, squads with this depth uh, and the budget in some respects, Lazio have been overperforming. We can't forget that, you know. And what they're doing in the Champions League has been brilliant. Um, I think the run of games doesn't help in some respects. So, you know, even if Lazio finished in the Europa League this season, it's have they still kept the squad together. I think it's just trying to improve on some weaker areas, and uh, I wouldn't be surprised if you know Lazio back up in the Champions League sooner than we think.
0: Yeah, I think um, the defence is certainly a worry for Lazio at the moment. Obviously, they're very reliant on a Chirvy sort of holding that together, but the two goals they conceded on the weekend were nothing short of shambolic, really. So, as you say, on their day, certainly capable of getting in that top four, but they need to show that far more often. OK, we're going to round up the final few games of the weekend now. And and another side who are sort of challenging for the European places are Sassuolo. They showed a different side to their game this weekend. Uh, obviously went down to 10 men uh, sort of early in the second half against Benevento, but managed to win 1-0. Were you impressed with this sort of grittiness um, that they managed to show, Raphael? And um, does, does that give you more confidence that maybe they can... Keep going in and end up in the top six or seven to get a European spot.
2: Yeah, it was definitely unexpected from them. You know, what I wasn't expecting is you know a side, you know a ZB side to to play like that. But obviously, I think the, the you know circumstances demanded it anyway because they they were down to ten men for for, for half of the match. Um, I mean, they did get they did got quite lucky in some occasions because Bene, Benevento I think, deserved probably a draw from that that match um i think Sassuolo can have Concili to thank for that he, he made a lot of he made a lot of great stops so yeah i, I think it does show a level of, that, of adaptability as well um obviously adaptability in the sense of you know grinding out a result and not necessarily having not necessarily having a lot um you know a a, a very good alternative game plan to to fall back on because. Obviously, obviously, with the with the uh, with the injuries that they ha- they have had, with Caputo out, with Tiffel out, it's been difficult. I mean, Lopez was being played out of position, for example, when clearly their their best performances this season have come where um, where where Locatelli and Lopez are playing together in a pivot in the midfield. Obviously, that was impossible in this game because of injuries. Yeah, I think. As a temporary solution, this this was a good performance from them. They, the fact that they were able to get a win. Now I've, I think Caputo will be out. Will be returning for their next few games, so I think they'll be they'll be able to sort of get back to that that formation that we know that they've been able to get results from. So I think I think if anything, the game just shows that the well, the, the match against Benevento showed that they they have got a plan. Before if if needs be, which ultimately you know ultimately is reassuring if for uh, for them, I think it, they might they might be challenging. I I think challenging for a Champions League sport is a bit out of their reach, but definitely Europa League is within within their grasp if they can if they if they can keep sort of bringing out the same the same um, the same starting eleven as we've seen them as we've seen them for our good performances with
0: yeah yeah they they uh, they certainly seem to have bounced back fairly well from um, from that 3-0 defeat to Inter a couple of weeks ago um and then sort of more towards the foot of the table we had udinese winning 3-2 away at torino um udinese now up to mid table uh, rich oh. do you think rich do you think we can expect a bit more from them this season than simply avoiding relegation? And and on the other hand, do you really have worries for Torino and the fact that they could actually go down this year? Yeah, I think I'm starting
1: to have worries for Torino. Uh, I mean, maybe I'm, for me in my head, you know, the likes of Torino, Fiorentina and Genoa, I always want to stay up because I see them as uh, big clubs in that sense. And so, which is completely unfair because they're not playing well enough. And, uh, and the one thing I've always said about Torino is I look at the squad and I think, well, you know what? Um, the midfield for me is always a bit lacking. Um, you know, it's defensively, they can, they're can they very hit and miss. But I think when you've got City going goal and you've got Bellotti up front, and let's not be honest, I mean, Zaza may not be performing brilliantly, but there's still a couple of goals in him here and there. They should, it's one of those old sayings, they should have enough. Um, you know, Bonazzoli has to come on and get a goal, uh, his first for Torino. Bellotti, again. Goal and an assist. He, but it, it feels like whatever Belotti does, they've just become so dependent on him that they're just not putting the collective team performance around him, and so he's almost having to do it on his own. Uh, so I, I think what Gianpaul is doing at the moment, I don't think he's got a plan. I think um, I think he's I think he's really struggling. I thought the formation was way too heavy in the midfield, and whereas with Dinesi, you know what you're going to get. And I think when you look at the facts so of Musso, for me, is, OK, I don't think he had the best game, actually, against um, Serena, but I think he's one of the best goalkeepers in the league, Personally, I think he's really one of the most up-and-coming goalkeepers there. Rodrigo de Paul, uh, OK, not consistent all the time, but when he is, and he is at the moment, he's absolutely superb. And Pereira, you know, again, fantastic. Pissetto plays really well in this game against Torino. So you've got this... Um, and then you've got Delefeu, who I don't really think hit the ground running at, at Udinese as much. But they've got these players, they've got potential. Kevin Lasagna on the bench. Mandragono is on the bench. You've got the likes of... Uh, well, I know <laughs> Nesrovski scores, but that's unusual. But, but they seem, again, to have this more of a collective idea that Massa seems to have them all playing in the same manner. You know how they're going to turn up. Do I expect too much more than the mid-table? No, I don't think so. But I think that they could, uh, you know, I think they'll take some points off to a few teams and surprise a few this season. Uh, and you look at that game and, yeah, okay, there's a free kick, I can't remember who it was, right at the end, was it Rodriguez? Right at the end, hits the bar nearly scores. Torino. And you think, well, wow, they could have got a point, but I wouldn't have thought they really deserved that point, to be honest, on the basis of the whole performance.
0: Yeah, it does. Uh, with, with Torino, obviously, we've seen them give away so many winning positions this season. Uh, and it, it it does seem to um, be looking like Giampaolo's on borrowed time at the moment. And then the final game of the weekend, this was a bit of a shock result, actually, given uh, form over the past few weeks, was Crotone beating Spezia 4-1. Um, was this the sort of result that maybe gives Crotone that glimmer of of hope? They haven't been cut adrift completely yet. Meanwhile, was, was it a bit of a reality check for Spezia, do you think, Raphael? I
2: mean, it's always hard to make, to you know take conclusions away from a match between two promoted sides because obviously they haven't playing, they played each other before. They're more familiar with each other than they would have been with other teams. I think in the case of Crotone, they've, they've shown in, in a few games this season that they are defensively solid. Saw the match against Juventus, for example. Their main issue is that they haven't been able to get the the attack up and running. I mean, Simi was the was the top scorer actually in in Serie B last season, but he hasn't been able to he hasn't been able to to hit the ground running in Serie. A. I mean, I don't know if that's if that's because of the the step up in, the le- in level or if if he's not getting enough service. But I think mean, overall. I'm not, you know, I'm not very hopeful on Crotoni anyway in the first place because, on the evidence of, you know, on the evidence of of the season really, the only player who's really at the at the level at, at a top flight level is um, is Junior Messias. I think he's he's the one who's really who stood out, especially especially over the weekend. He's, he's he's the player who really stood out with him with his two goals and just his general performance. So. I think for Catania, it's too early to say, and I'm not, I'm not really not sure that they've got what it takes to, to really mount much of a, much of a, a challenge to stay up. I think for, for Spezia, it, it was it was a reality check because they might have expected on you know on, on the back of playing well against the against bigger sides, they might have expected to maybe not breeze it, but have a, have, a, have a better time against a fellow promoted side, and obviously they were wrong. Maybe naive, but yeah, I think for this, the in, in terms of you know, in terms of moving forwards, I think the result will do a lot more good for Spezia than it will for Crotone for in terms of the you know, the repercussions that it will have.
0: Yeah, perhaps it's that sort of kick up the backside for Spezia that uh, that, that perhaps they need to, to make sure that they do maintain those standards and and try and stay in the league longer than just the solitary season. Um, Okay, so that's the weekend done. And, of course, we've got a full midweek of Serie A games coming up. Uh, Rich, you've, of course, already mentioned that we've got Inter-Napoli. And, of course, you've also got Juventus-Atalanta. Are are there any other sort of games that stand out for you? And and do you care to offer any predictions on those big games coming up? (laughs)
1: Predicting Inter depends completely which Inter turns up. I'd like to think, and I'm not confident of this, I'd like to think that Inter um, can find that consistency in the league now to go and have that statement win. Um, again, you know, I'm not sure that that will be the case. I think that would be a really tight game. Um, but I think if, if we're going to just talk about a couple of games that maybe off the beaten track from the Juventus and the Inter games. We talked about those, well, I just talked about the teams of uh, Fiorentina, Genoa and Torino. who, you know, even people who are new to Serie A will, will know those names because they are big names. And we're, we're seeing that they're, we've just talked about them all and they're all fairly hapless. Um, you know, obviously, rafa was just talking about how good Sassuolo are. And, you know, I, I worry for Fiorentina. Milan in good form. I worry for Genoa, and you were mentioning particularly your appreciation of Roma, and we've got to worry about Torino. So, I think that there's uh, the bottom of that table is going to look really interesting come the weekend.
0: Yes, yeah, certainly. And how about how about you, Raphael? Have you have you got any games
2: in particular that you've got your eye on? I think the big one will be um, will be Milan Sassuolo. swallow. Um, so, looking ahead to the weekend, I think. I think I can see Sassuolo taking all three points, just off the basis of having having all of their you know the full complement back, and Milan not being, you know, maybe falling off the uh, falling off a bit in the past few games. I wouldn't be surprised if if Milan were knocked off to not knocked off the top spot by Christmas, because even if you know even if they have been getting the results, it has been sort of they they have been you know weakened by injuries, and I'm not sure you know I'm not I'm not sure that they'll be able to they'll be able to grind out the results. So it'll be definitely be a very interesting interesting set of games. I think generally next Sunday will be the you know the match to just sit down and just watch Serie a all, all day because I like think it's you got Milan Sassuolo Atalanta Roma and then Lazio Napoli.
0: Yeah, got some cracking games coming up. And, of course, we'll look back at those next week uh, for the final uh, look at Serie A in 2020. Okay, great. Thanks a lot for joining me, guys. And thanks, everyone, for listening. And uh, we'll catch you again soon. Goodbye.